okay? And I love this because you think, hey, Jesus probably didn't need to receive the Spirit of God. You know, He's God. Uh, he's, he, he could have just walked into it and easy peasy, you know? Um, but if you look at, um, I think it's in Mark 1, verses 9 to 10, Mark 1, verses 9 to 10, it says, at, this, at that time, Jesus came to Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my Son, whom I love, and who I am well pleased in. And so two things there, just a side note, is that we believe that we need to imitate Christ. Okay, that's what we're called to. We, we read in 1 Peter, I think it's 2, it says, hey, follow my footsteps. You know, follow the footsteps of Christ. So if we believe that, if we believe that everything Jesus did, did on earth is something we need to imitate um, and follow. I think in Ephesians it says, be imitators you know, of Christ. And so, if we believe that, then we see Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized. Okay? He was baptized. So, if you're sitting here and you haven't been baptized, but you believe in God, and uh, you are saved, and you're confident in that, then follow the footsteps of Christ and get baptized. Okay? That's just a side note. And so, if you are like, okay, yes, that makes sense, uh, but I don't understand it, come there's notes at the end for heaven. We can, we can help you understand the significance and the beauty and the joy and the freedom that we find when we get baptized in water. It's not a big thing. Okay. Um, but if we look at the Spirit descending on Jesus, um, again, how old was he? He was in his 30s. Okay, this guy was in his 30s. Jesus, the Son of God, was in his 30s, and he had a specific mission specific plan that God had said, I want you to come and save the world, okay? And the Spirit of God comes on him, anoints him for his task, and it's only from that point on forward that his ministry begins. And so if you're saying, hey, no, okay, I see, I start, I'm starting to see these broken walls in my life, in the people around me, I'm starting to notice that, yo, there's there's a rebuilding needed. I need to start rebuilding my life so I can help others rebuild theirs. The only way we're going to do that effectively is through the Spirit of God enabling us and leading us. Because if we do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. And there's constantly people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that try to do it in their own way. And so we need to say, God, you enable us, you lead us. Um, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. And so today, when Jesus left, left earth, that divine enablement that he received, he started giving to his disciples. You know, he was the first person that could actually give the Spirit on, you know, to others. And so even when he was earth, on earth, his disciples were starting to experience this divine enablement. They were able to do insane things. You know, he sent out 72 people and they went and they cast out demons. They were healing uh, sick people and they came back and they were like, Jesus, this is amazing. Like, look at us. We, we are, we've got all this power. Wow. You know, like even the demons obey us. And he was like, hey, just watch out. Don't 
find your joy in those things, the fact that you can now do that, but find your joy in the fact that you are saved. And so that's, we have divine enablement, but our true joy comes still from that relationship that we have with God. And uh, it says in uh, Acts 2, verses 17, and what has happened here is that uh, the Holy Spirit has just come down and just like flooded uh, the upper room where guys were praying, the disciples were waiting on God's Spirit. And uh, he just falls and crazy things happen. They are talking in tongues that nobody, other people understand, but they themselves don't understand. God is just moving. And Peter gets up and he, um, he's preaching and it's just like literally divine enablement. He's able to do things that he was never able to do. And he's preaching, preaching, preaching. And he quotes this uh, from, it's a, in the Old Testament, in Joel, and it says, In the last days it shall be, God, declared, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall, shall see visions, and your old, old men shall dream dreams. And so he's quoting Joel, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, saying, this is what's going to happen. So in the Old Testament, specific men and women were anointed for these tasks to uh, lead Israel and fulfill God's purpose. Jesus came, even Jesus, the Son of God, needed to receive the blessing and the empowering power of the Spirit of God. Okay, Jesus himself. And now Peter's saying, listen, now that Jesus is gone, this is how it's going to work. The Spirit will be poured out on all who want it. And we know that we all have a task. We all have a task to not just restore and rebuild this nation, our own lives, the lives of people around us, but we, have a, we are all called to make disciples of all the world, all the nations, make sure everyone has heard the good news about God. That is our task. And so we see it and we're like, okay, God, that's what we need to do, but I want your divine power to enable me to do that so that I walk in your steps and not in my own will. Because if I do it in my own strength, I will fall short. It's gonna, you're going to struggle. And uh, I was just, I like re- writing down certain things because I can talk a lot and then I get completely off the topic. And so I just want to read like a section that I wrote down that I was like, this is really important. So I'm not going to probably look up, but please just listen. Um, And it says here, we are part of a church culture that has created a whole bunch of means and methods for doing ministry that in the end require little or any help from the Holy Spirit. There is so much that we do, we go through the motions without a dependency or desperation for the Spirit of God. Could it be that the greatest hindrance of the gospel um, advancing and the Great Commission being fulfilled is not pagan idolatry or sinful sexual immorality of the cultures around the world? What if the greatest hindrance to the advancement of the gospel of God today is that the church of God is doing the work of God apart from the power of God? without the Spirit of God. And I've chatted to a lot of people, you know, I love church, I love this church, I love this community, 
I love the youth. I love to, to work with people. And I've said a lot of times, he's got, I, I would love to see King City Church become a people where every person's gift, every person's skill, time, families, uh, just everyone that every, everything that everyone brings to the table is being used to fulfill this great commission, advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth, going and reaching nations. But to, in a way, I feel like that's been wrong. It's like, God, I want to see you at work, your spirit enabling us to do crazy things for you. And uh, sometimes we're like, yeah, we just need all of this. But I think that even if we had a small group of people that followed the will of God with the power of God enabling them and leading them, that would be more effective. And I think more could be achieved in a year with a group of people that were sold out for God and passionate about His Spirit and accepting that we need His Spirit to lead us. If we had a group of people like that versus a church that had everything, all the resources, uh, everything you could dream of to advance the gospel of Christ, but they didn't have the Spirit of God leading them, I would argue that this small group would be way more effective in a year than this group would be in a hundred years. And this would be real. And I'm over fake. I'm over fake in my life. And God's Spirit is real. Do we believe this? Let's be a people desperate for the Spirit of God. And the, the thing is that we are not, we're in a spiritual war. We're in a war that isn't, it's not, we can't see it. So we need God's Spirit to help us and to lead us. Um, and so I just want to quickly, briefly look at what it looks like to live in that spiritual place and what it looks like to not live in that spiritual place. So if you want to turn with me to Romans 8, um, please, that would be great. Romans 8, verses 5. And so if we look at uh, Nehemiah and we try to tie this all in, um, with Nehemiah, we just see, God, this man had such a dependency on your spirit. It is so clear. The things he did, you enabled him. It wasn't his strength. It was God's strength. And so I want to read this uh, together. It's just uh, two verses. So Romans 8, verses 5 to 6. And it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed, the, their mind is governed by, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so this morning I want to ask you, where is your mind? So maybe you are saved, um, but the question I would like to ask you is, where is your mind? And uh, because where your mind is, it will determine how you view what God is calling you to. If, uh, even if you're saved, there's still a, a thinking of, hey, this is how the world works, this is how I need to function, and uh, you're going to live your salvation out according to how the world thinks, which is stupid. It's counterproductive. You know, the Bible talks about we need to renew our mind. 
Okay, and that is extremely important. We can't go back to our old way of thinking. And the renewing of mind takes time. It takes time, time, time. And we had an amazing opportunity last year to go to a men's thing at Revival. And uh, they, were, they were talking about addiction and how science is now proving that um, when you are addicted to something, your DNA and your brain actually physically changes. Your neural pathways change. There's, you respond in a different way. And to retrain your brain takes time. So yes, you can come to God and be saved. And yes, God, we walk in that freedom. But now you need to retrain the way you think. And so it's easy to go back to the way of thinking like our flesh thinks. But God is saying, hey, I want you to think, look at these broken walls, these situations, according to the Spirit, divine enablement. And so um, just one or two points here. It says, a life lived according to the flesh um, produces a mindset on the flesh. Okay? So if we live according to the flesh, our minds will think according um, to the flesh. Oh, do I have that quote? No. Um, I'll just read it out. A life lived according to the flesh inevitably produces a mind given over to things of the flesh. Because it reveals the, because it reveals the presence of death, um, therefore that mind and life is default to the things of the flesh. We just skipped ahead quite a bit, but that's fine. I'll explain it. <laughs> um, and so when, we, when our minds are on things when we're living according to the flesh, our mindset will be according to the flesh. And the sad thing is that even, even though we're saved, we're not walking in life because our minds are still thinking the old ways. And God is calling, calling us to live according to the Spirit. His Spirit has come, has enabled us, and He wants us to think differently. So when we go approach different situations we're in, God is enabling us to think differently. Even though it's the same situation, things at work hasn't changed at all. It's actually getting harder, but because the Spirit is at work in your, in your life, it's at work in your mind, and then this happens. It says, the life lived according to the Spirit inevitably enjoys, prefers, focuses on things of God or the Spirit, because it reveals the presence of life and peace, and awakens uh, is awakening to God and to spiritual things. So when we are living according to the Spirit, when our minds are saying, God, I want to think like you. I want your spirit to move in me all the time. Our mind transforms as well. And we are enjoying the life and the peace that Paul is referring to in Romans 5. And so what, you know, what are the things that you are thinking about? Because what you are concerned about in your mind, the way you approach it, that's going to... That's going to reveal where, where, where your mind is at. And that's going to reveal where your life is at. Because what you're walking in is what you're thinking about. And so if there's constant worry, anything that is not a fruit of the Spirit, it means you're still walking in the flesh. And God is saying, I want you to walk in my Spirit because I've got a great task ahead of you to restore lives to rebuild nations, but if you're still walking in the flesh, I can't use you. If Nehemiah walked into Jerusalem like he did in Nehemiah 2, and he saw the state of that place, and he was thinking according to the flesh, 
and he was walking in his flesh, um, he probably would have walked out again. Be like, this is not possible. I'm not the right guy. Look at how these people are living among these ruins and they're doing nothing about it. In Nehemiah 3, we'll read about guys that were goldsmiths, priests. They were people do, having, they had good careers, but yet they were living in this broken city and they were doing nothing about it because they were living according to the flesh, not the spirit. Nehemiah steps in and he says, guys, this is what we need to do. And they listen. Divine enablement. And so, just quickly to end off, I want to give you guys five steps. Practical things, and because I believe, that, I believe the Bible is practical. It's in there just to help us say, hey, how are you walking um, with God? And so, when we're walking with God, uh, just before I get to the five steps, um, it just says that, you know, when we walk with God, uh, walk by the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit, and uh, we order our lives by the Spirit. I would all in my life by the Spirit. So when we walk by the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit, and we order, uh, you would order your life by the Spirit. And so when we, when we live like that, that you'll see fruits of, hey, actually, Clive's making a business decision that doesn't make sense according to the flesh. But when I sit down with him and I hear him speak, it's like, hey, wow, God is revealing things to him to say, move this way. So he's ordering his life by the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit, and He's walking in the Spirit. And that's, that's where God is calling us to. So, five steps. First one is we need to acknowledge that we need the Spirit of God. Okay, the first thing that we need to do when it comes to this divine enablement is say, God, I am weak, I am a man, and my flesh is something that I run to almost every day. And so, I need your spirit to help me because the task at hand, go and make disciples of all nations, that's too big for me, but that's not too big for you. And so, God, I acknowledge that I need you. Um, and, and in Romans, it says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. <laughs> that's Paul writing. He says, there's no good thing that dwells in me. So, God, I need you. Okay, the second thing is we need to pray. Uh, we need to pray um, and uh, pray that God and acknowledge, from that place of acknowledgement, just say, God, please bring your presence into my life. Um, may you help me and may you enable me um, and just ask him to say, God, okay, I'll receive your spirit daily. I need you. I need you and need you. Constantly in the day, just walking and asking him to help us with that. Um, and then the third thing is trust. Okay, so we need faith. Faith, just to say, God, um, walking, uh, God, I need faith to trust that your spirit uh, can help me achieve things every day in my life. God, I, I have faith that you are enough. Uh, God, I have faith that you will provide. God, I have faith that even though this doesn't sound smart, you, this is your will. But we won't know what God's will is for our life if we, don't have, if we haven't had all that time when we looked at Nehemiah 1 where it was a personal relationship with God. So we can't have, what do we have faith for if we don't know what God is saying to us? It's just empty. So we need to journey with God and that's where we say, God, wow, all of a sudden, because I'm spending time with you every day, you're revealing things to me. 
You're pointing things out in my life. And now I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to rebuild these walls? So I acknowledge that I need you. God, I pray, come on. Give me this divine enablement. Your spirit come into my life. And I have faith that that is enough. I trust you that that is enough. And then, then we get to acting. Then we get to a place where we actually work it out. And I think that so often in, in our Christian mindset, we're like, okay, broken walls. Let's get going. Let's get going. Let's get going. There's things that need to be done. We need to restore. We need to do this. And okay, cool. You're saved. Get out there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But we first, we first need to connect with God. What is He saying? Because He speaks to you personally. And so we come to church and say, oh God, what are you saying to me this week? No. God is speaking to you and His Holy Spirit enables you to just listen, hear from Him every single moment, every day. When you're driving, when you're in the bank, you, wherever you find yourself, God wants to speak. And so from a place of receiving, that's when we do need to start living it out. It doesn't just stop there. We get off our bums and we start working out our salvation. And if you're taking notes in Philippians 2, verse 12, Philippians 2, verse 12, you don't have to turn there. Um, Let's read this version. This mine is different. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And another version says, Beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So basically it's just saying, get off your chair uh, because God is at work in both to will and to do the good works that He has called you to. So there's a thing of, okay, God, I've received, I'm acting, and I'm going to do something about it. And then the last thing is uh, just thank Him. And we need to thank God constantly. And this is not in a specific order, whatever. These are five steps. I would thank God first, you know, like just entering His courts with thanksgiving. But we need to thank God for His Spirit. Where would we be without His Spirit? Where would Israel be without His divine enablement on men and women? And so we need to thank Him. And Nehemiah, if you read throughout the book, he he prays something like, he prays almost in every single chapter, he prays a prayer. And there's always thanksgiving in those prayers. Because he knows It's not me. It's not me. It is you, God. And if I lose sight of you, I will fail. I will fail. And as a church, I really feel that we need to have a vision that supports this, that says, God, you are working. You are calling. You're clearly pointing out to us individually that there are broken walls that need to be restored. But God, I want to have a vision for that. And I was reading... Um, Psalms 2 uh, yesterday, and it says in Psalms 2 verse 8, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. And that's an amazing, amazing statement. It's like, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. And do we have a faith, a vision that says, God, when we receive your spirit, when we receive that divine enablement, the possibilities are endless, but you, you challenge us to trust you for nations. Nations to be saved. Nations to be restored. And uh, I think, I know that God blesses us 
when we have a vision that is not self-centered. And so I want to challenge you this morning to say, hey, where, where are you at right now in your life? The plans that you are making, the, even, even, the play, even the areas that God is highlighting you to restore in your life, uh, in business, in, in families, is it a selfish vision to say, God, I want to restore these, but it's actually, it's actually for me. Because I know if I restore that, that will help me. You know, it'll bring me more money or it'll, it'll make relationships easier for me. I know God will bless and he, His Spirit will be in a vision that is for others. Saying, God, may we be a church, may I, may Yanku be someone that His vision is to rebuild the lives of others. God, may, may what you call me to, may it serve the greater community and not just me. So business, family, life, life at school, the places that we want to restore, that God will enable us to restore through His Holy Spirit, are those selfish areas or are there areas that we're saying, God, yes, we want, I want to see lives restored. It's, it's not selfish, it's selfless. And uh, that's just... Uh, what I was really challenged to is that we need vision for that. We need God's vision. Uh, we, need a vi- invi- we need a vision that empowers others because a self-absorbed vision will be hollow. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I, just, I really thank you for just your spirit. Father, I, I thank you that your spirit is, is what empowers us. Your spirit is is what is uh, just so crucial to the mission, the global mission of uh, what you've called us all to, to make disciples, to restore, to, 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 to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, Father. And I pray that we would see that even in our own lives, Father God, we can't live effectively if we don't have your Spirit in us, Father God, enabling us, helping us to live out what you've called us to, Lord. And so I just pray for, for each one of us. Father, I pray for myself, Lord. I pray that you would, you would help me just be real, be honest. And Father God, just be vulnerable to say, Jesus, I've done this on my own strength. I've tried and I've failed. And it's probably because I haven't let you take the lead. I haven't listened to what the Spirit is saying. And so, Father, I pray right now for, for anyone sitting here that, that just needs you to just fill them up right now. Just as we're sitting, Father God, may we, there be a stillness in our hearts to just receive you. What is your will, Father God? What are you saying? What is your vision? So that when you call us, Father God, we do it in your will and not in our own. Your strength, not our own. Your vision, not mine. Thank you, Lord Jesus.